0: Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 113 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Libraries podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I am your host, Michelle Snyder. And I
1: am Jacob Maracle.
0: And Jacob, I feel that as a rule, we like to keep a very lighthearted show talking about things that we love or maybe things that you love that I therefore hate. Yeah, that's
1: usually how it goes.
0: But I feel like we need a different tone today just because of everything that is happening in the country and there's a lot of unrest and um, as we know that across the whole U.S. people have come out to demonstrate the death of George Floyd and police brutality towards African Americans and it just it doesn't seem right for us to to not talk about that.
1: Yeah it seems like a kind of topic we kind of got to jump into something we got to cover so.
0: Especially because there are things that we're going to talk about that might you know help people on whatever journey they're on to to understand more so. I would say right off the bat, our feelings would be that nobody is sanctioning like arson and burglaries and this and that. But the protesters and the anger and the fear and frustration that they're feeling like, yes, absolutely. Oh,
1: absolutely. Yes. Understand it. We get where we get where you're coming from, guys.
0: We, We understand this is a demand for justice. Um, And I just think, you know, you get people together who are angry and marginalized and that mob mentality where you're it's just growing and growing. And as the night goes on and the anger rises, this is a very common thing that we see.
1: Yeah, it's it's all too common nowadays that both on both sides of the issue, like the fact that we have people protesting it all the time, rightfully so. And the fact that it keeps having reasons to protest. Yeah. And that nobody seems to have any idea how to fix that major issue.
0: And that's hard because I, I mean, I don't either. Like sometimes I think of things and then it's like, whew, systematic change is not an easy thing. Yeah,
1: because as soon as you do, you make one change, then you got to go to the next step. And like, OK, so what's that switch up here? And then what's yeah. that switch here?
0: Although I think a lot of it always really comes down to education. And again, that's why we're so happy to be part of a library system because that's what we're there for. We got the books, we have, you know, the ways for people to learn and to understand. So. Hopefully we'll be opening up soon.
1: Well, and is, get as back of, in it. As of this episode, there's at certain libraries there's the curbside pickups. So. Yeah, which
0: is great. So if you're listening to this and you want any of the things we end up talking about, you can actually call the library. And it has to be, you know how we usually share things. We can't do that right now. But yeah. if the library has it in and it's one doing curbside pickup, you can go and get it. So it's pretty great.
1: Yeah, go pick up the Ken Follett books, man. You got the time. <laughs>
0: They are long. Okay, so before we jump into our recommendations, I did want to just mention because one thing that always comes across with this is you start to hear white privilege over and over. And then that becomes a hot button issue for people who I think are like, I don't have that or my life hasn't been easy and all of those things. So people, I was trying people tend to, think, to get
1: defensive about it.
0: They definitely do. So I Really quickly, I wanted to kind of describe what it means because it's not like that you did anything inherently bad.
1: No, it's not necessarily a bad thing.
0: It's just a thing that exists. So, okay, let let me get into it here. White privilege does not mean that your life hasn't been hard. It's true. Not it. It means that your skin tone isn't one of the reasons that makes things harder. That's pretty much the basis of it. There are plenty of other privileges out there. Socioeconomic ones, being male, um, heterosexual, Christian, able-bodied, all of those things. But wife privilege is perhaps the most enduring throughout history.
1: It's certainly something you can't really disagree with because it's not it's one of those things like you said, it's not your fault, but it is something that you do get the benefit of whether you realize it or not.
0: Exactly, which is why it's brought up, which is the next thing that white privilege exists as a direct result of both historic and enduring racism. Um, by different biases and practices designed to oppress people of color so you have to just think you know i think of it as like a seesaw and the the burden through history has you know it's one people is weighed heavier than our life that you know as a white person has had hardships but hasn't had like slavery, segregation, racism, police brutality, and things like that.
1: Right, and it's also part of it, it's the, the bad apples idea. Like, there's a couple, it's not the white privilege thing and the fact that people get mad and about, you know, the feeling that they don't have to deal with the same thing. It's, again, not your fault, and you're not necessarily racist yourself. You're probably not. Most, most people are not. But it's those few that are that just become so...
0: Well, when and it's amplified. a very systematic yeah. sort of system at this point. But it is important to just acknowledge these things. It's just going to help you move forward in your understanding. Exactly. So, the another part is that white privilege means that you actively benefit from the oppression of people of color, which, you know, takes a while to kind of accept, but you are the dominant representation on all media. Mm-hmm. You don't get harassed um for existing in public locations That's true no one is really questioning your citizenship nope you have way more inherited power and wealth yep um people at work tend to look more like you yep uh your actions aren't perceived as those of all your race
1: that's true which is.
0: is a huge thing for black people it's like oh i heard this story once about a black person and therefore that's it. That's how I view everyone. So, and that doesn't happen as much for white people. So, again, part of the privilege.
1: And yeah, it's another. It's just also situations that they're not necessarily treated equally. It's like the the hoodie um, argument, where somebody's wearing a hoodie. Depending on their skin tone, people get pay attention to them more.
0: Absolutely. So, and that that goes right into systematic racism, which exists at every level of society. So, for example, you have to look at the wealth gap. of the country's wealth is white-owned and only 20% is person of color-owned. Black students are three times more likely to be suspended. Um, Black women are four times more likely to die in childbirth. I read a whole article about that. It's that doctors don't believe black women when they talk about um, pain that they're in. They're always thought to be exaggerating. You're like, what? Black graduates are two times more likely to be unemployed. Um, black Americans make up forty percent of the prison population, um, but they are—they're shown what is it, like eighteen percent fewer homes when looking for a home. Like realtors mm-hmm. just won't show them.
1: Yeah, a bunch they of just them make assumptions on them.
0: And they're 30% more likely to get pulled over by police than you or I. And this is only a small part of the oppression. So again, we just wanted people just to understand. So when people are saying it, you can be more informed and be like, oh, you know, like a lot of that is true for me, of course. So what can you do with white privilege? So the whole goal here is that you teach other white folks the barriers to success for people of color, like the things that you've just learned right now. You promise to listen and amplify the voices of people of color and be more than not racist, but be actively anti-racist, which we will talk about a little more in one of the books that we're going uh, yeah, to get a, into.
1: That's a, I've always found that to be a very important part. Like it's not enough not to be. You have to be you against. Have to be, you have to be, have to be against, against it um, as well. So.
0: And even when it's uncomfortable, you have to be able to confront racial injustices. Yeah, so that's are, pretty much it. I just wanted to get into that. Because we don't want this. This isn't an episode filled with judgment. This is an episode filled with learning because we want people, the more that you understand things, like the more that you, that you grow.
1: Yeah. We're all about opening your mind here, everybody. So there's some stuff to think about that you might not have considered before.
0: And you know, I think that a lot of people are reeling from the news and they want to do something and maybe you can't go out and protest or maybe you're not comfortable but you can deepen your understanding of racism and the black experience in america and one way to start is by reading yep that is where we shine
1: That's it. <laughs> We're the library business. All we do, we sling books for a living, people. We know where the good ones are.
0: Yeah, so that is what we're going to recommend today. These are books that uh, you'll be able to uh, start checking out today. Curbside yeah. Pickup.
1: And also, uh, we also want to put your mind at ease. These are all uh, vetted by Michelle, so you're not going to see any of my nonsense on this list. These are <laughs> all These are all actually going to be good books yes, that these are, are worth reading. these
0: are all books that I have read, um, and a lot of them recently. I think it's within the last three to five years that I really started being like, I have to read more of these books to broaden my understanding, and I can honestly say that a lot of them have changed me when I thought that, like, I can't be changed. I know where I'm at. And then I was like, oh, no didn't think of that nope like another thing so it's we're one of the gonna best start parts
1: about books it, like op- it makes you think about stuff like another other perspectives
0: yes absolutely some of these we might have mentioned in past episodes but we kind of put them all together for this one so the first one I want to start with because it's one of um probably my favorite on the list but one of my favorite books of all time is called between the world and me by Tana nehisi Coates I was completely blown away by this book. And let me start off by saying that if Toni Morrison says that a book is required reading... Then it is. Then you need to go and get yourself a copy. Yeah, she
1: hasn't steered us wrong yet. It's usually a pretty solid choice when she gives it her seal of approval.
0: 100%. So this book speaks about race in America starting from the days of slavery until now to provide us with this viewpoint that makes the reader understand what it is like to inhabit a black body. Um, It's almost like a personal diary. So it's from Ta-Nehisi Coates to his son. That's how that's the format that he's written the book in. And he's explaining how it is that we have come to the state that we're in and to offer consolation to his son through this book. So Americans have built an empire on the idea of race, which he feels is a falsehood that damages us all, but falls most heavily on the bodies of black women and black men, um, bodies that have been exploited through slavery and segregation, and today threatened, locked up, and murdered all out of uh, proportion. It is such a beautifully written book. Um, I love that the author was able to write with such clarity that enabled the reader to really be able to put yourself in a black person's shoes and like I can honestly say that happened for me and I was like oh there's things that I might still be inherently biased about that I don't even think about but I after reading this I was like that is over you have to stop judging things that aren't meant for you to understand so you get a
1: lot of that from it I mean, like you said, it's important that you get these other perspectives on situations. It's not the big things that everybody thinks about that are the basis of these misunderstandings. It's like the little everyday things that you don't even think about, like you mentioned. 100%. That are are like the really big issues that go in really affect people for the rest of their lives
0: and you know I'll even bring up one of my own to be completely honest in this episode so a thing is you know in the mall across in the library they have that sign like you have to pull up your pants yes and I'm always like just pull up your pants like <laughs> I don't want to see like underwear like that's a thing where I'm like well, that is stupid that looks stupid to me I don't understand why you're doing it but reading this book not that that was even mentioned but I was like it doesn't matter if I don't understand it it's culturally specific People do specific things. That's how it looks or that's... And it's, it's not meant for me. I don't need to understand it. So I was like, oh, me judging it is kind of biased against it. Because, yeah. I mean, there's lots of white people doing s- dumb stuff, but I don't know that I think about it as much.
1: Yeah, it's it's one of those small things that it's... It bothers us, but we, it's one of those issues that if you really step back and think about it, it doesn't affect my life at all. So and then, why then figure do I out care? why it bothers you. Yeah, and I why think does that's a Why do I care? It doesn't affect me, so I shouldn't care at all. Like, why, exactly. Why is this coming into my head? So.
0: And I know this is a book that I will pick up again and, and again in my life. Um, and I have to recommend that it's even more beautiful on audio. The author reads it, and it's truly even more moving. Because the second time I went through it, I listened to it, and I was like, oh, I'm blown away even more.
1: I always love like when the authors do that i always it always feel like it gives a better version of the story because they get to put their own inflection especially when it's a
0: non-fiction story i think but it helped again my perspective of this world and it helped change it and my own understanding and growth and it was truly an eye-opening read and yeah it leaves you hungry and eager to find out more so please read between the world and me
1: okay i might have to go look at that one up i didn't i feel bad because i actually uh I see, always see the um, dude's books because I don't know how to pronounce his name so, or yeah. so I don't want to go ahead and try. Yeah. But I never actually picked one up. And I always feel bad because every time I read any literary suggestions, he's he always on up. the list.
0: He's fantastic. His other book that I read, well, he has a couple more, but uh, We Were Eight Years in Power is another nonfiction one, which could be added to the list. And then he started uh, going into fiction recently. It's
1: so. probably a better area to be in lately. I I'm Yeah, he's like, I'm
0: stressed. But okay, the next book, this one. <laughs> All right. It's called The Color of Law, a forgotten history of how government segregated America by Richard Rothstein. So a nice
1: light read, of course.
0: So before I even talk about this book, I will have to say it's dry. There oh, are boy. there are parts that are really dry. It's like it's like the world's a really smart and boring man. He's like a statistician or something, you know what I mean? Like he's yeah. that guy. So The stuff that you are learning, though, is 100% worth it. I just like to warn people there are going to be spots that are dry, but I promise you, you make it through the book,
1: you can do it. Oh, okay. Dry. See, I think I'm actually going to have to check this one out because I once read a 900 page book on D Day from from cover to cover, and it was very detailed. So I might be able to actually knock this one out.
0: I would say skip the preface. I never book. I never read the preface. preface, of was, preface was, so this is the most forceful argument ever published on how federal, state, and local governments gave rise to an enforced neighborhood segregation. You might think that you know about housing segregation. Y- you don't even really know like the half of it. So it's ex- exploring the myth of de facto segregation, which is arising from private prejudice or the unintended consequences of economic forth- forces. So He describes how the American government systematically imposed residential segregation with undisguised racial zoning, public housing that purposely segregated previously mixed communities. So they would go into like where people lived black and white every other house and started pulling the black people out to separate them, even though everything was fine. Um subsidies for builders to create white only suburbs hmm. so they would get all this extra money so long as they agreed that they would never sell to black people tax exemptions for institutions that enforced segregation and support for violent resistance to african americans in white neighborhoods was also like government supported so this book is really indispensable and masterful and it Like I said, it's meticulous research, explains some of the dryness, but showing how governments at all levels long employed racially discriminatory policies to deny black people the opportunity to live in the neighborhoods that had jobs, that had good schools, Mm -hmm. that allowed any sort of upward mobility. So... I could talk about this book forever, and I was constantly putting it down and going to Andrew and being like, "Oh my God, and this, and this, and this," and I was like, I- honestly, reading this book, I'm like, I don't even know how black people have made it this far. Yeah. Like, the, it was really that stacked against them. And although, I mean, these policies were clearly unconstitutional at the time, but they persisted through most of the 20th century.
1: Well. Yeah, it's an issue of sometimes once you get things into law, or into practice, even like they're really hard to break because people just get so used to that situation. And Buffalo is another city that has been known in the past to be one of the most segregated cities in the Buffalo is in the book. Is it really? I'm not surprised. At and all. it
0: hurts. It like hurts to read it for yeah, sure. I, it's
1: not going to paint a pretty and picture like, of Buffalo. Um, I'll tell you that stuff
0: about the parks mm-hmm. and how they. Were, I mean, so much of it. It's so like it talk was about like
1: the 33. I'm sure going oh, right through.
0: And like, well, they purposely did that. They would like design highways just to go through black communities. And then black people couldn't get mortgages. So they had to go to these like, you know, shady people who are like, I'll give you a mortgage at this crazy percentage. And then you could literally live in your house under this kind of mortgage. Let's say 10 years go by. You miss a payment. Boom. They take it back. Mm -hmm. Like it's gone. So a lot of black people didn't own houses. They couldn't pass that wealth down. Again, I don't need to tell you. You can read it in the color of law excellent book. It'll just change your perspective no matter what.
1: Maybe take a drink of coffee or something before you start reading it. It's not a bedside read I wouldn't say. It's not. It's more like a four (laughs) o'clock in the afternoon starter.
0: That's actually very accurate. That's a good way to describe it. If you cuddle up with this before bed you will be (laughs) asleep the quickest you ever (laughs) have until you get to the good stuff. Then you'll be like flipping through pages like banging your head on the wall but then you I, know
1: <laughs> I hate how off topic this is but you know I for I for a year I went to bed watching uh the movie Philadelphia like, oh. you know, I just put it on like the VCR and I just That's fell asleep It's a really watching.
0: depressing movie to fall asleep to I
1: did for like a whole year man almost for every night It was really uncomfortable I don't know Not why I did it Not sure sir, what that says about
0: you but okay Great
1: performances though let me <laughs> yeah, just say Sure now, Let's get back on top.
0: Okay the next book is by my boo I love him so much It would be The Fire Next Time by James Baldwin
1: Oh I was gonna say I didn't write a book yet
0: I am such a huge James Baldwin fan He was such an important person And this book was a national bestseller when it came out in 1963 And and totally galvanized the nation and gave passionate voice to the emerging civil rights movement. So it kind of starts um, with his early life in Harlem and is a disturbing examination of the consequences of racial injustice. And the book is an intensely personal and provocative document because so it consists of like his history, but then it also it's like two letters and a short one is written to his nephew along with a longer one that's written to discuss his thoughts, feelings about race, religion and life. So okay. it's, it's similar to that um, Ta-Nehisi Coates thing where it's like addressed to someone directly in his family that's going to be growing up in this world. And he starts the letter by informing his nephew on how black people can be destroyed if they believe what some white people think about them. So that was big for him of like, you can't, you aren't what people think of you.
1: That's very important for a lot of people to understand. You don't have to accept the roles that people impose upon you. 100%. You do not have to do that.
0: And he discusses a hidden message he feels in the country telling black people to settle for... mediocrity rather than striving for excellence and he believes that black people need to know their history and where they came from so that there will be no limits to where they can go it's a really short book you could probably read it in an afternoon and then you can move on to any of his books and then just start going on youtube and looking at his debates Mm -hmm. this man can speak like no other
1: I've actually watched a couple of his debates because I haven't read too many of his books, but I have seen his debates and they're very thought provoking when you're watching. them.
0: Totally. And I'm always like, oh, to be able to speak that eloquently, like off the top of your head is a dream of mine. And I cannot do that at all. I would get so tongue tied, especially when you're like your heart's pounding and you're frustrated and you really want to get this stuff out. I feel like that's where I'm the worst. And then you're just like, you're stupid yeah, like, <laughs>
1: people start stammering they start getting really flustered and it, exactly force it it's, it's more important that you come across very calm cool collected which
0: was him all the way and he knew that too mm-hmm. he's like i can't be an angry yelling black man i'm just gonna tell it like it is so yeah,
1: first one to yell loses the argument that's how it always goes you
0: know him best for a, go tell it on the mountain that's probably i his feel like most, that's his
1: yeah his most i voice. mean that one's
0: picked up in schools but the fire next time i think is his best one okay Okay, the next one, I highly recommend a book called Tears We Cannot Stop, A Sermon to White America by Michael Eric Dyson. He is very profound, and also I actually posted – um a couple of years ago when i read this book on instagram and him and i actually ended up starting like a private conversation about it so oh. i was like oh well, you're amazing well that's pretty cool um and it's it involves like as the country grapples with racist division at a level not seen since the 1960s cuz that's where we're at um his voice kind of soar's above the rest with conviction and compassion and the book is a provocative and deeply personal call for change so what dyson is arguing in the book is that If we are to make real racial progress, we must face difficult truths about being, you know, including being honest about how black grievance has been ignored, dismissed or discounted. Mm -hmm.
1: It has been downplayed a lot. You still hear it to this day where people are just like, well, what abouts? You get a lot of what abouts going around these
0: days. And another thing is that, you know, it acknowledges that you don't know what you don't know yeah
1: that's very important
0: that's why we're reading but that doesn't excuse willful ignorance and so at this point you need to be trying to find out more and to understand more and that is why it is so important for people who have not experienced or witnessed what people of color have been experiencing this book kind of explains uh, what to do and what not to do in order to be a strong ally in a way that you can easily digest and understand
1: Yeah, and like you just said, the things you don't know, you don't know. There's If you don't, you can't empathize with something unless you've actually seen it or have had it explained to you. Otherwise, it's just a completely foreign and alien topic. So it's not, again, it's not your fault if you don't think about something or if you haven't experienced it. But like you said, it's not, it is your fault if you hear about these issues and you just act like they're not a thing or you ignore them or you downplay them. Yes. Or just... Like, not acknowledging things that are right before in your face, it's one of the things that frustrates me the most about some people who make arguments about this scenario. Which it's is like big now. So We're
0: all in our own little bubbles, yeah. and we only talk to people that feel the same way as us. And that's a huge problem then, because then you're like, I don't know how to listen to someone else and maybe change my opinion like Yeah,
1: and immediately everybody just goes angry at the drop of a hat or yeah. especially when they start losing arguments on topics people immediately start making personal attacks it's just it's not the way that you learn everybody it's yeah. the way you avoid learning really
0: Okay, so I have a bunch more, but probably gonna have to limit it. But the next one, very important book, is called The New Jim Crow Mass Incarceration in the Age of Color Blindness by Michelle Alexander. So, what this book does is it directly challenges the notion that the election of Barack Obama signaled like a new era of colorblindness because <laughs> that like didn't happen. But she has like there's a lot of candor and legal, legal scholarship and She argues that we've not ended the racial caste system in America. We've merely redesigned it. And what that is, is by targeting black men through the war on drugs and decimating communities of color, the U.S. criminal justice system functions as a contemporary system of racial control. And it's relegated millions of people to a permanent second class status even as it formally adheres to the principle of colorblindness.
1: So basically, here's how we explain that, everybody. It's a situation where, it, this is 2020, you can find out information on people with a simple Google search. And if you were trying to get a job and you happen to have a felony or a mm-hmm. high misdemeanor on your record, employers can find that out pretty easily and they are not going to hire you. And the, any, even some of these, a lot of these felonies or misdemeanors, they're on a um, things that aren't really that big a deal—they're non-violent. A lot of especially them are when defenses.
0: they did the three strikes, or, and I was like, "Oh, you stole three things, like you're yeah. going to jail for 25 years." Like, or it's
1: even—it even gets to be like a 45-year-old who did something stupid when he was like 17, 18 years old—is still being held responsible. Exactly, like the this same person, person has repented not, and
0: changed. It's not the same human being. It's not the
1: same. It's not fair, but it's a reality of our current modern world right now.
0: And this book is so well-researched and informative and compelling. And here, here's a part that stuck with me me probably the most is that This is a quote from it, is that, arguably, the most important parallel between mass incarceration and Jim Crow is that both have served to define the meaning and significance of race in America. A primary function of any racial caste system is to define the meaning of race during its time. Mm -hmm. So slavery defined what it meant to be black, Mm -hmm. you were a slave, and Jim Crow defined what it meant to be black, which was a second-class citizen, and now today, mass incarceration defines what it means to be black, It's and it's that black men, especially or I was gonna say black people, especially black men are criminals. Criminals. That's what it means to be black today in America. So we've just kind of continued this caste system throughout time. And the argument in this book, you're like, oh, yep. Yeah, you're just pointing out facts here. Like I can see it.
1: Criminal, thug, like just words people use that. They act like they don't mean what they mean, but we know exactly what they are used to describe kind of situation. Because
0: people view, and you know, it's been on the news for a long time, and when we were young, it was like how disproportionately black crime was on the news versus white crime. So it really just kind of added to this new view that we see black people with, and which leads to police being in the communities more, which leads to police brutality, which leads to these like protests happening right now.
1: I mean, at the very basis, everybody, these are... These are literally plot lines from Law & Order episodes from the mid-90s, and they are still issues today. I mean, that, that what does that tell you? This is like 25 years later, you could make the same It tells episode. me that
0: Law & Order has known all along.
1: <laughs> yeah, there. if you want to know what's the real truth, go watch some, uh, go hit that little bell.
0: Uh All right, so I'm never going to get through all these, but this one I have to talk about because it's fascinating because it is a graphic novel. Which which, I'm a fan of. Which would be March Volume 1, 2, and 3 by John Lewis. Have you read
1: those? I have actually. They're very good. They're so good, and so in case you didn't know, he was at these marches. Everybody, he so this sure is a first-hand was. First-hand account And
0: Congressman John Lewis. I mean, American icon mm-hmm. and one of the, just the key figures of the civil rights movement, and had such a commitment to justice and nonviolence, and that took him from an Alabama sharecropper's farm to the Hall of Congress, and you know, from a segregated schoolroom to being the um, first African American. President gave him the Medal of Freedom Mm -hmm. So the March books are a vivid First-hand account of his lifelong Struggle for civil And human rights, meditating In the modern age um, Since the days of Jim Crow and segregation And (sighs) Quickly, like the first book, so that covers his childhood and early years in the movement. It's largely told to us as flashbacks sure. with young uh, constituents visiting his office in the morning of President Obama's inauguration. And then he's kind of flashing back. We learn about Emmett Till and Brown versus Board of Education and the effect that these had on him. Martin Luther King Jr. is in there. Rosa Parks Um it's fascinating and then you get to book 2 and you're like there's more. Yeah. Like he did more and that begins with efforts to integrate movie theaters in Nashville. John Lewis goes on to become a freedom writer and discussion discusses like that experience um and how it took up like a significant portion of the book about the freedom riders. Um what else? And then the third book, I'm trying to think it begins with the church bombing.
1: Oh, yeah, that That was terrible Uh, with the five little girls. right? Yeah,
0: that's how book two ended. Book three um, starts with that. And then the focus of this book is squarely on the right to vote as voter registration of African-Americans is aggressively blocked in the south. This might be the greatest human rights story out there. And it, it's done as a comic.
1: Yeah. And everybody, like case you don't know, John Lewis, kind of a big deal in American <laughs> history, guys. These guys saw some of the most important events in history from the front lines of them.
0: So. And I, I felt reading this that... Looking back over my subsequent 40 years of life, it is remarkable how little I learned about the civil rights movement in high school and college.
1: Yeah, you maybe learned about it this in grade school. This was glossed with like, over. When the teacher was hungover and just kind of wanted to play like a slideshow or something. Like, or here's a video. a
0: video. But the trilogy definitely expanded my knowledge. It gave me a much needed education in these events. It will do the same for you. And it's a little, not I don't want to say lighter, but looking at the pictures is definitely an easier way to take in such a serious matter I feel
1: yeah visuals o- always help increase a story in my opinion and it always helps in this kind of scenario you can imagine stuff all you want but you really can't imagine it if without you yeah can, you can't imagine it without actually getting an aid to see how bad it really was
0: so. 100% so now I'm just gonna name a couple titles before I end with one more because we are out of time but I am currently reading about halfway through a book right now called freedom is a constant struggle Ferguson, Palestine, and the Foundations of a Movement okay. it's by Angela Davis, who I love because she is like an amazing political activist, scholar, author, and speaker. I saw her speak last year. Oh, did you? Yes. She the best. She is still <laughs> the best. Oh, just, but read this book and then get active because that is what it makes you want to do. I want to recommend that book that just became a movie called Just Mercy, A Story of Justice mm. and Redemption by Bryan Stevenson.
1: And so, the, and the movie's pretty good too. I will. Oh, say you that. saw it? I did see the movie actually. Oh, Michael, that's Michael B. Excellent. Jordan flick, man. It's a pretty pretty solid movie.
0: So you know, like he is a Brian Stevenson was a young lawyer when he founded the Equal Justice Initiative, which is a legal practice where he's trying to defend the most desperate and in need, and the poor and the wrongfully condemned. And he goes into some of the cases, like his first case, where a young man was sentenced to die for a murder that he definitely didn't commit. And after reading the book, you really get an understanding about how courts and juries can get it wrong. And But again, can't get into the book. You should definitely read it. Another one would be The Short and Tragic Life of Robert Peace, a okay. brilliant young man who left Newark for the Ivy League by Jeff Hobbs. So Jeff Hobbs was roommates at Yale University with Robert Peace, okay. who grew up in like... Crime-ridden streets of Newark his father's in jail his mother earns less than fifteen thousand dollars a year But he's really smart and he studied he got into Yale And I think a lot of people then think like you did it you're out (laughs) But it's really fascinating about how he had to carry with him the difficult dual nature of his existence, like trying to fit in at Yale and then going home on breaks and kind of covers so much of the enduring conflicts in America, like race, class, drugs, community imprisonment, and on and on and on. So it's a heartbreaking but revelatory story.
1: Talk about a culture shock there, let me tell you.
0: Yeah, and like sometimes he does things and you get really mad at him. But then I'm like, again, I'm like, I did not grow up in your community. Like, I can't judge things that I don't understand. Yeah. It's not my place to. So then the last one I'll recommend is called How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. Nailed it. (laughs) Ibram's not too hard. So at its core, what it talks about is that racism is a powerful system that creates false hierarchies of human value. And it really will help readers see all forms of racism clearly and understand their just poisonous consequences and then maybe work to oppose them in our systems and in ourselves. So this is an essential work for anyone who wants to go beyond just the awareness of racism to the next step, which is contributing to the formation of a just and equitable society.
1: Yeah, it's... I mean, what else can you say, really? Just... D- that's
0: it's, just it i mean it's it's eye opening even for those of us who consider ourselves to be enlightened yeah, like i have but you know there's just like an attempt to spark a movement towards anti racism and it's important that you read it especially right now
1: yeah it's more than topical at this point so it's definitely yeah. something worth checking out everybody
0: all right so i think we gave him some some good titles and some ways to move forward yes, so indeed. good sir why don't you plug us up
1: and remember, everybody, everything you hear at All Booked Up is going to be available at one or multiple of our 37 branches all across Erie County. Uh, you can't come in now, but check our website at www.buffalolib.org and see which ones are doing curbside pickup, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, call ahead, get something picked up, get a new movie, a new book, you know where to go. Expand your mind. Also, follow us on Twitter at All Booked Up Pod. We always reply there, and unless it's a gif, it's going to you can tell the difference. If there's a gif, it's me. If it's an actual thoughtful, intellectual conversation you piece. haven't posted
0: any in a while so
1: yeah i kind of lost the password and <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> i felt too ashamed to ask
0: there it is that makes perfect sense so instead of ending with facts because i was looking up some facts on the issue pretty dark it is some dark stuff so instead i'm going to end it with my favorite boo james baldwin and some of his quotes that i love how right. does that sound to Sounds you? good to me Okay, so the first one, and this really, you know, is about our episode, is you think your pain and your heartbreak are unprecedented in the history of the world, but then you read, mm-hmm. and then you know that's really it in creating empathy and understanding something. Exactly. He knew. Um, another one is not everything that is faced can be changed. But nothing can be changed until it is faced.
1: Exactly. It's you have to face these kind of things head on. If you just ignore them or hope they'll go away, they're not gonna. You gotta actually engage.
0: Absolutely. Um, you have to decide who you are and force the world to de- deal with you, not with its idea of you. Yeah. And we talked about that earlier, and that's a big one too. And
1: be your own person. Man.
0: You know who you are. Um, people who treat other people as less than human must not be surprised when the bread that they have cast on the waters comes floating back to them poisoned. Oh,
1: yeah. Pretty much, man. You get what you give. <laughs> that's, how that, that's exactly how that works. You New- set up... New radicals, it had
0: like it this. right? They know what's going on. Yep. Oh god. New radicals. Come on. <laughs> and the last one is there are so many ways of being despicable. It quite makes one's head spin. But the way to be really despicable is to be contemptuous of other people's pain. So this is a time for you you don't have to fully understand, but you have to open your heart and try to understand what is around you and better yourself
1: yeah so like think about things people pick up some books don't don't let this thing keep going everybody you want to make this world a better place we got to work ahead towards yeah it's it, so. our
0: time we're here now let's fix it
1: yeah we only get one chance let's start
0: jacob let's all get right. out and get going all so right. all right thank you so much for listening and we will catch you next time bye <laughs>